0: I'm speaking with Daniel Marcus. His new book is Binding Energy. It's out from Elastic Press. Thank you for joining me, Daniel. Thank you. Daniel, the story you read today was a really re- a remarkable story. Could you tell us a little bit of the background to it? Sure.
1: Um, I had an early career as an applied mathematician uh, in the National Labs at Lawrence Livermore and Lawrence Berkeley Lab. Um, and I was exposed uh, to... Basically, the uh, nuclear weapons uh, machine, the uh, culture and the people. And uh, um, after about a decade uh, of that, I uh, jumped ship. And um, this uh, story uh, arose from my observations and experience uh, in the labs.
0: Now, tell us who, who the main characters, and also tell us about, uh, I have a request, was Edward Teller a fraud? Um, he was a brilliant man, a brilliant scientist. Uh,
1: uh, he was also, I believe a, uh, uh, a, uh, exaggerator, a chronic exaggerator and a bit of a, uh, uh, a charlatan and player, but, uh, scientifically he was brilliant. There's no question about it. He was, uh, pivotal, pivotal in the, uh, Manhattan project and in, uh, subsequent, uh, 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 efforts, uh, with, uh, Uh, the weapons programs, but he uh, was, uh, um, I think, uh, uh, working out of a bit of a moral and ethical deficit, which uh, kind of corrupted uh, whatever legitimacy uh, he had as a scientist, in my opinion.
0: Could you talk a little bit about this culture that you worked in? I actually had a friend who also worked in that culture. He he was working with some uh database applications for uh laser space-based lasers, I believe was was his his calling. And did you as as a day-to-day experience your work was kind of administrative and somewhat was it administrative dull boring or
1: um I was working with a uh, small Uh, Applied mathematics research group. Uh, Really great people. Uh, Day to day it was fun. I really liked the people I was working with. We were doing uh, leading edge work. Um, It was interesting in the lab culture because we were getting outside funding so we could do, uh, we weren't as constrained by some of the programmatic uh, um, uh, boundary conditions at the lab. Uh, We got some hostility from the physicists because we could do their simulations better than they could, and it was uh, kind of an interesting uh, situation. Um, We uh, did about half um, uh, gnarly classified stuff and about half uh, good stuff, Um, simulations of internal combustion engines, uh, um, uh, ocean waves, things like that, and and some some black budget stuff as well.
0: Uh, As a as a writer were you uh, taking notes uh, as you, as you as you went through these experiences i
1: was i was uh i was taking note but not taking notes um <laughs> so i was certainly always observing uh what was going on and kind of filing it away but i didn't uh, uh i didn't really keep like a running journal or anything like that um,
0: tell me a little bit about your 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 history as a writer were you as a writer as a kid I was a avid reader,
1: very avid reader as a kid, uh, just inhaled uh, books of all kinds, uh, genre stuff, science fiction and fantasy, but all sorts of other books as well, um, and wrote a few really terrible stories as a teenager and, and, a, and a, a young man, and then uh, got diverted, had a brief career as a musician, went back to school, and then in... Late in grad school, in about the last year of my uh, PhD program, I started writing stories again because I was just—I wanted to exercise different muscles than those that were being exercised by the uh, the mathematics work—and uh, um, I just haven't stopped. So,
0: how did you get into the world of classified uh, defense work? Um, I got my PhD from Cal and uh uh
1: one of the uh, one of the professors there who was on my thesis committee had a student who had started an applied math research group to uh figure out how to do better simulations better numerical simulations of very uh strong shock fronts, like you might find in nuclear explosions so uh, I was looking for a postdoc, and I started talking to these guys, and I ended up uh, doing a postdoc with them, and the postdoc segued to a staff position, and I was there for about 10 years. Um, and uh, as I said before, it's a really great bunch of folks, and the work was really interesting, and... Uh, um, uh, ethically challenging for me, but um, there was always the uh, kind of rationalization that we were doing sort of the creepy stuff uh, in order to pay the rent so that we could do stuff that was uh, a little uh, more benign, uh, which had a certain element of truth to it, but not a whole lot.
0: Uh, y- your stories cover a much wider variety than than your background, and I'd like to ask you, you have some really fascinating stories about uh, virtual reality, uh, and you, you take it into directions that I think focus on the characters more, which I think is a hallmark of your fiction. You have the genre tropes are there, and you know them really well, but you really like to focus on the people, don't you? Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And-
0: well, tell me about some of the people that you that you create, the characters that you create, and how you choose the genre trope that you're going to use to examine that character.
1: Wow, that's a that's an interesting question. I'm not sure that I choose the trope; it kind of chooses me. Um, I'm as a writer and, and as a person, as a reader, uh, also I'm interested in characters who are in. Um, under duress in some way or another, who are challenged uh, or in difficult situations or uh, who themselves live under perhaps some moral ambiguity. And uh, uh, it's those kinds of tensions really drive the kind of stories that I like to write. And the genre stuff kind of comes in obliquely. I think it's because I was so uh, immersed with the the literature as as a, a kid and a, as a young man, it seems just sort of hardwired into my DNA. So the tropes just uh, kind of uh, emerge. Um,
0: now I have to ask you one final question. I've talked to a number of scientists at Singularity Summit, and uh, to a man, they all said they were inspired in their science by science fiction. Were you?
1: When I was a kid, I really wanted to be a nuclear physicist. Uh, uh, but as a well, no, you know, as a as a professional working scientist, when I was doing that, um, you know, I, I'm sure that there was some sort of nonlinear and very internal and oblique sort of consistent thread that got me from point A to point B. But as a working scientist. Um, I really didn't feel that connection on a day-to-day basis. The uh, the uh, In the, the applied math group I was in for about 10 years, we sort of thought of ourselves as kind of like the truck drivers of the scientific world. Um, the physicists didn't like us because uh, we weren't physicists, and they're a very clannish bunch. The real mathematicians hated us because we didn't prove theorems. You know, we just sort of... Uh, uh, got stuff done. Uh, So it was, it was a pretty cool job.
0: (laughs) I've been speaking with Daniel Marcus. His new book is Binding Energy. Thank you for speaking with me, Daniel.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed it a lot.